there are some things, some things I can't see. Some things, some things I, I can't see, can't see until I bow, I bow. There were some things, some things you I can't see, can't see until I bow. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, Lord God, thanking and praising you for one more chance, Lord God, to come together in this fashion, to lift you up today, Lord God. Father, we just ask that you would have your way in this place, Lord God, healing, delivering, and setting people free, as we know that you can and you will do, and we thank you in advance for it, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God. Father, we ask that you would touch each and every one of us individually and collectively that's come underneath the sound of my voice as well as those that are on their way, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God. And we thank you for that in advance, Lord God. Father, we ask that you would bless the shepherd of this house, Lord God, and all those that is connected unto him, Lord God. Those things that he speaks to you about in private, Father, you said in your word that you would reward him openly, Lord God. And we thank you for that, Lord God, in this place today, Lord God. We just ask that you would have your way with the remainder of this service, Lord God. Do with us what you will, Lord God, as we open up our hearts and minds to be used of you this day that you might get all the glory and all the honor in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. I can see clearly now. I can see clearly now. Here I am on, here on my knees. See, I can see clearly now. I can see clearly now. Here I am on, here on my knees. I can see clearly now.
gotta understand it now. I understand better now. Oh yeah, here right on my knees. Here on my knees. I can see my path clear through. I can see clearly now. Here I eat on. Here on my knees. I understand it better I now. Understand better now. Here I eat on. Here on my knees. I understand better now. I understand better now. As a friend, as a friend and a friend. Here on my This morning, Deacon was, uh, Deke was talking about having a heart. Yes. And one of the answers that I basically came out and said was making sure that you show love to the people who persecute you, mm. who hate you, uh-huh. who don't like you. Uh-huh. As I'm reading Revelation in the Bible and uh-huh. I can see clearly. Yes. Last Sunday, I said, oh, we used to be scared of this book, but no. I would say that's the best book of all. Because all of it, at the end, we win. Yes. Yes. Right? We win. Yes. A lot, of my, a lot of people might see the darkness, but they don't see the light, which is us being the people we need to be in order to affect the people that we need to affect. Amen? Amen. 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 So that's why in the song is just so I can see clearly now. I understand better now. Here on my knees. Yes. I just want to share that with y'all. That was it. Amen, 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 amen. Here on my knees. Nice and slow. I understand better now. Here right on. Here on my knees. So please, sing. please tell him. Tell him. Understand better now. Here right on. Here on my knees. I understand better now. This is the worship, 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 worship. Now you usher in. Sister Cynthia, please tell him no. And I can see, I can see clearly now. Here on my knees. We're two or 
are gathered in his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can see clearly now. Here I here on my knees. When you want that answer that you've been praying for. I can see clearly now. Here I am. Here on my knees. Sister Cynthia, go ahead. Tell him, tell him, tell him. I understand better now. Here on my knees. Let it go, but it feels so good. Everybody, everybody, yes. everybody. I understand better now. Here on my knees. This is time for worship. I can see clearly now. Here on my knees. One more time, one more time. I understand better I now. Better now. Here I eat on. Here on my knees. I can see clearly now. I can see clearly now. Oh yeah, here I on my knees. Here on my knees. Lord, I understand better now. I understand better. If anybody thank didn't get the chance God. to go in and, and give for offering, this is your time now. And if you can't, go ahead and give your deep prayers to the Lord and the prayers for the house. Hallelujah. As we take care of the things we already know the Lord already going to take care of. Yes. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. How many people got joy? Oh, yes. Around the season, they always say joy to the world, right? Amen. Joy to the world. <laughs> That's right, Brother Brown. Let it rise. <laughs> yes, sir. Amen, amen, amen. Yes, sir. Come on. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the praises of our King rise among us. Oh, let it rise. One more time. Let the glory of the Lord 
rise among us. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the praises of our King rise among us. Oh, let it rise. I say, oh, let it rise. One more time, say, oh, oh. Let the glory of the Lord, let's go, let's go. Let the glory of the Lord rise, rise among us. Let the glory of the Lord rise, rise among us. Let the praises of our King rise, among us. Let it rise. Let the joy of the Lord, let's go. Let the glory of the Lord rise, rise among us. Let the joy of the Lord
Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. How many people can say they're an overcomer? Yes. Remember 20 years ago, 30 years ago, things that you said, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this. Yes. But you look at yourself now. I went over to a place that me and the kids, we were. I was sitting there praying. I was, didn't know what I was going to do. But I got on my knees and I remember I prayed and I said, Lord, if you give me the tools what I need to do in order to be the leader that I need to be, in order to be the man that I need to be, I'll give my all to you. It is a seed that was planted within there. And I am so happy and elated that I can definitely say I'm an overcomer. Hallelujah. And by the words 
her my testimony overcoming I've been overcoming by the blood of the lamb and by the word of my testimony that's the reason why he saved me he rescued me Ever since I've been changed, my life never been the same. Yeah. So I can lift my hands and say thank you for the grace overcomer. Overcomer. I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. By the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. And by the word. And by the word. Testimony. Authority. I've 
washed by his blood, I kept by his love. I'm filled with his spirit, but by his stripe I'm healed. I'm free. Thank Jesus, you gave me the victory. I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. my testimony Sister Cynthia, tell them who you are Yeah He delivered me He set me free I've got the victory I'm an overcomer I'm an overcomer I'm an overcomer, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What are you? What Thank are you? you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I am an overcomer. Yes, I'm an overcomer. Because of the blood of the Lamb, I am healed and I've been set free. I'm an overcomer. Thank God that I'm an overcomer. By the blood of the Lamb, this is the word of my testimony. Say I'm an overcomer. Overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of my testimony, I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word, and by the word of my testimony. Overcomer, I'm an over. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb, and by the word, and by the word of my testimony. Overcomer, overcomer, He saved me. I'm an overcomer. He rescued me. Overcomer, He delivered me by the word. My testimony, overcomer, he saved me, overcomer, he delivered me, overcomer, he rescued me, by the word of my testimony, overcomer, overcomer, I'm an overcomer, by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word, and by the word, of my testimony, overcomer, overcomer, he saved me. I'm an overcomer. He rescued me. Overcomer, he delivered me. By the word, of my testimony, come on. Overcomer, he saved me. I'm an overcomer. He delivered me. Overcomer, he rescued me by the word 
testimony Overcomer Ever since I've been changed Overcomer My life never been the same Overcomer And I can give my hand That's a word that you find My testimony Overcomer I'm in a Overcomer By the blood of the Lamb By the blood of the Lamb And by the word And by the word my testimony overcomer over I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb by the blood of the lamb and by the word and by the word my testimony I'm more than a conqueror I'm a winner the joy of the Lord is my strength I have dominion I walk in authority. I've been washed in his blood. I'm kept by his love. I'm filled with the spirit and by his strife. I'm healed. I'm free. Thank Jesus that you gave me the victory. I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. By the blood of the Lamb In this word of my testimony Hallelujah! Hallelujah! How many people can confidently say at night that's exactly what you need to see here? That's exactly what you need to say. If you get on your knees, God will make you an overcomer. I am a witness. You have to be the minister of your home. Speak on your children. Speak on your wife. Speak on everything that you need to do. By what Deacon was saying today, and I just thought about this now. You want people to be an overcomer, but you've got to first show them love. Yes, yes, yes. I said it before. Even when they persecute you, even when they hate you, in the Bible, it says people lack, people will fail through the lack of knowledge. Yes. So that's you have to be that beacon, just like Jesus was. Yes. To teach his people in order to be un- overcomers. That is, if not the most important task that you have to do today. So I put everybody on a challenge. Think about five people that you thought that you had a disagreement with, even in the past week, months, whoever. Reach out to them. Show them love. Even when they don't understand it, because that's what's, that's what's going to be the seed. So I just cussed this brother out, but he still want to reach over to love me. He still want to hug me. He just want to see how I am, how my children are. That viable for change. Jesus is the viable for change. They say joy to the world. Be that joy. Yes. So everybody can be an overcomer. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I just want to partake.
put your hands together and bless the Lord. Hallelujah. As our pastor graces the podium. Hallelujah. Point your hands this way to bless the offering. Hallelujah. As he prepares to come. Father God, we thank you for this offering that it was which it was taken up for. Bless those that had to give and those that didn't have to give that they may be able to give upon the next appointed time in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Receive our pastor with a hearty amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's good to see you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. We thank the Lord uh, for each of you. It's good to see my brother. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He took a, took a bout, had to visit the hospital. But he's a living, walking, breathing testimony of God's grace. He is an overcomer. Amen. We want to take an opportunity to uh, welcome our guest. We recognize you, salute you. Would you like to, to introduce yourself or say anything? Amen. Well, welcome here to Grace and Mercy Fellowship Center. We thank you for you and your family coming and being with us today. Um, we definitely salute those that are joining in via technology. Um, we are so grateful to God for your presence. It, it, was that the new one? Yeah, I heard it was playing different this morning. That was a good. That was a good thing. That was a good thing. <laughs> amen. Amen. We like to have a good time here, amen. It's good to be here in the household of faith. Yes, sir. I don't want to hold you longer or uh, belabor the point, but I do want to give you a word from the Lord today, something to think about and take with you as you uh, go throughout the remainder of this week. Uh, we are looking forward to uh, watch night service, which will be uh, this Friday. So I encourage you to come out. Um, praise team, be, be ready to praise and worship on Friday evening. Amen. Well, whoever can be here, be here and, and sing and let's dance and let's give God some glory. Uh, Elder James Tyler will be bringing the word to bring the new year in. Hallelujah. We're excited about that. Amen. So I want to encourage you, uh, as many as can and will, please be here uh, to bring the new year in together as a family, uh, one body of Christ. Amen? Amen. There are new things coming for GMFC, so just be on the lookout. We are right now in the planning stages of GMFC Studios. Uh, we're in the procurement stage and building stage. Um, and you will be seeing a lot more from that, new platforms, new outreach, and um, some different ways to minister God's love and grace. Amen? Amen. Um, and the intention will be to include each of you, so you will be getting phone calls to take part in the varying things that we'll, we will be doing um, in the studio. Amen? So don't get shocked when your phone rings. And don't go, that's Bishop, so I'm not answering. Amen. 
this must be my turn up to bat, and I just, I, I can't be reached. I'm out of the country. Amen? Amen. Amen. But just be looking for that over the next few uh, months. It'll take a little bit of time to put this all together, but we are thankful to God. Uh, I encourage you to come out on Bible study. There's some things I want to share with you in detail um, in Bible study. We will have Bible study, but there's some things I need to share with you about the ministry, so please join. Hallelujah. Well, I've explained to you, we've been talking about um, the names of God. We've been talking about how you relate to God, how God relates to us, how he tries his best to define who he is to us so that we can have context and because of context, a more intimate relationship with him. So I've explained to you why we've been dealing with the names of God and and the significance of the many names that he carries, uh, the very revelatory nature of those names and the purpose of allowing you and I to comprehend something which in its fullness is really beyond our human comprehension. I was meditating and listening for the voice of God yesterday and I heard him say this to me. My people need to know me so that I may dwell in the house. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, are you the house where God dwells? If you read the Old Testament, the the book of Ezekiel, it's around the 40th chapter, you're going to find out something um, that uh, is kind of peculiar. In this season of Israel's um, time, God leaves the temple. Israel is in bondage in Babylon. He um, was not in the temple during this bondage, but he wanted his people to know that his desire was to return to his house. You see, as long as God was in the temple, the nation and all the nation, um, all the people that make up the nation, the families, the economy, the society, and so on, all prospered. But the moment God leaves the house, chaos and calamity strike. The nation falls, the families fall, economy falls, society falls, and stability falls. You see, our ability to rise to success or fall to defeat is directly connected to the presence of God dwelling in the temple. The temple is what represents his house. God told me to tell some of you that He is interested in spending time with you in the house, both the individual and the corporate. You see, for too many of us, we have looked at coming to church through our natural eyes with a worldview mentality that says that when we get to church, we are really coming to be entertained. I've had a hard week. I've been dealing with some stuff, and I'm really coming to church to be Uh, emotionally charged or to get some level of entertainment to uh, escape the humdrum existence of my previous week. And too often, too many of us sit through service as if we are Simon Cow. 
We sit here to judge everything and, and everyone and everything that's going on in the service to determine if the level of entertainment that we've enjoyed and the talent of those who have performed before us on any given Sunday is good. We're really more like a panel of judges sitting on a show, not America's Got Talent, but does the church have talent? We come so that we can be entertained, but when the people of God went to the temple, it was to spend time with, to experience the glory of God. It was to hear a word from God. They came to temple so that they can be in a place where God dwelled so that they could hear something from the Lord that would keep them. You see, as the church succeeded, so does the nation. But when the church fails, so does the nation. The intensity and magnitude of what is going on in the world and even in this city is as much the fault of the church as it is the unchurched. You see, we've lost our enthusiasm about God. We've made God so familiar that we are no longer truly excited about being in his presence. God wants you to become so enthralled with who he is that you realize you've been missing his glory. His glory, which is his very presence in dynamic display. You see, I've often said that God is really showy in a sense because when he does something, he does something in a manner where nobody else can take credit for it. Everyone knows that was God and God alone. You see, the enemy wants to keep you from hearing what God is saying, so he does everything he can to keep you from God's house. Now, I know that we teach that the building, the physical building, the brick and the mortar is no longer the house or the temple of God. Rather, each believer is. However, the physical building where the parts of the temple or the members of the body of Christ gather for corporate worship is still the house of God. And God's manifested presence should be on display. His glory should be blinding and his presence should be felt. When you walk in the door, you should feel something different in the house of God. We've been coming to the house, but lacking the knowledge of who actually lives there. Even in our own temple, the body, which is the temple of God, which by the testimony of our faith is supposed to be the church that houses God, where God's glory dwells, we are actually in stark contradiction by the revelation of who the master of the temple is. Rather than living in direct obedience and surrender to the owner of the house, again, according to the profession of our faith or the testimony of our faith, we act like squatters. We've moved in but have no legitimate claim of ownership, but act like it rightfully belongs to us, so we do what we feel like doing in the house that is not ours. The house belongs to God. Paul says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Lord? Yet, most of us 
will say, I can do whatever I want to do with my body because my body is mine. God says he wants to return to his house. So he's opening our understanding to know him better so that he cannot be a stranger in the house that he built. Jesus said, to him that hath more will be given. But to him that doth not have, that which he has will be taken from him. Let me put it to you like this. If you do something with the little that God gives you, God will give you more. But if you are not going to do anything with the little that he gives, you might as well stop asking for more because if you are wasting his grace gift at the level of little, God is not going to take you to another level to waste his grace gift at a higher level. God wants to return to his house and manifest himself in his temple. Let his glory shine in and through you, his place, through the working of his gift in your life. You see, your gift, your anointing, is the display of God working in you. If you can sing, you should sing until you have no voice left. And then pray that God restore your voice so you can praise him even more. But we sing in sets. I give you three songs, then I need my break. I'm going to take my break. I'm going to take my, my seat. I'm going to relax. I'm going to get my, my vocal cords to rest. I'm going to take my little bit of tea and, and you know, make everything feel better. And maybe I'll come back up and do a second or third set. Amen? This is where a lot of us are. I mean, I'm, can I be real with you today? If you play an instrument, you should play that thing until you wear it out. And then pray that God replace it with another one or expand your instrumental gifting so that you can play more kinds of, of instruments so you can praise him even the more. So when you play the keyboard and it just stops, the keys stop registering because you've played it so much, you can pick up the guitar and say, ha, I don't need the keyboard no more. I just want to bless the Lord. I want to praise him with my gift. I want to show that it is God that dwells in me. If you're an usher, you should stand your post. You should escort people, serve in that capacity until your shoes wear out, until you get bunions on your feet. And then ask God to heal the bunion and replace your shoe so you can praise him with the full operation of your gift even the more. The question is, is will you let him move in so you can have an experience with his glory? The experience of his glory is his presence on display in you. Too often we think that our gifting, our anointing, is of us and don't even realize that when you're as a singer hitting all those high notes all those low notes doing all the runs you know the you know hitting the scale I know that wasn't a scale but when you hit the scale amen too often we think that that's us that that's our that our you know just our talent like we're Michael Jordan on the basketball court. That this is something we've developed. That this is something that has come out of us because we've practiced and because we're just gifted that way and what have you. When in truth, what you're doing 
is displaying the magnitude of God's power and presence in your life. Amen. Amen. So this takes me to the name of God that I want to talk to you about today. But Houston, we have a problem. You see, some of us have trusted the Lord to deliver us from the fire of hell, yet we're not sure he can deliver us from the fire of this life. We believe in him for eternity, but we don't have much confidence in him in our present history. We know he will take us to heaven, but we're not sure he's got our back while we're yet living on the earth. If you're one of these people, even if you're too embarrassed to admit it publicly, I want you to know that this next name of God is just for you. We find it in a psalm that has power to change your very life. You undoubtedly know the psalm already, but don't let your familiarity with it keep you from experiencing its fullest meaning. It begins with, the Lord is my shepherd. You see, the name of God translated Lord in all caps is, in this verse, Jehovah, or the self-revealing one. The Hebrew word for shepherd in uh, this word, uh, in this chapter is rohai or ra'ah, which means to tend past, pastor or shepherd. Now, King David writes this psalm as he uh, did so many others, uh, recounting his years as a shepherd. You see, long before David became a king, he was a young man who had been put in charge of his father's sheep. And David may have looked over the span of his life and remembered what it meant to tend sheep and recognized the similarities to the way God tends him. So he uses his old job to describe his relationship with God and to give us one of the most beautiful and practical pieces of poetry in Scripture known as the 23rd Psalm. Most people know a shepherd's job is to take care of the sheep. People today look at uh, to various things to take care of them. Some look to their money to be their shepherd. Others look to their power or their status to be their shepherd. Others look to relationships to shepherd them. They look to their success to shepherd them. Worst of all, far too many people look to themselves to take care of their own well-being. But David didn't do this. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Yes. You see, David looked to Jehovah to tend to his life and to show him care. David uses the present tense of the word in this psalm. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. It's important that you understand the verbiage that's used because he doesn't say that the Lord was his shepherd, indicating this is something that had occurred but is no longer occurring. You see, by placing God as his shepherd in the present tense, David acknowledges that God is continuing to take responsibility for him. I want you to also notice that David uses the personal pronoun, my. In other words, He's letting us know that God is his personal shepherd. You see, God is interested not only in the group, in the congregation, in the nation, but God is interested in 
you. You ought to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, God is interested in you. Now, we often, you know, skim past those five words without fully grasping everything that's contained in them. But when you examine them slowly, like I like to cook my meat slow, you realize what a potent statement the beginning of Psalm 23 is. The Lord is a personal shepherd, a right now God. You see, in the remainder of the psalm, David explores various ways that a shepherd takes care of his sheep and God takes care of him. And to help us grasp this name of God, Jehovah Rohi, let's spend our time together talking today through this masterfully penned psalm. I shall not want. You see, in the next part of the passage, David adds the phrase, I shall not want. In other words, his shepherd, the Lord, has covered every one of his needs. And this is true for a good shepherd who tends to the needs of his sheep. And it's also true for our Lord who tends to each and every one of our needs. He has us comprehensively covered. He is the good shepherd. He's not just covering the basics but he's got you entirely covered. With God as your shepherd, you have full coverage. In Jeremiah 23 and 4, God promises to provide good shepherds for his people, and as a result, the word says, they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking. In Ezekiel 34, 2-4, God explains what he expects a shepherd to do. He expects them to feed the flock, to strengthen the weak, to heal the sick, to bind up the broken, to bring back the strays, to seek the lost. This is what being a shepherd means to God. But there's more. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. John 10 and 11. The best shepherd is the one who is willing to make the ultimate sacrifice to put his own life on the line for those that he shepherds. So if you're in the shepherd selecting business and you're looking for something to shepherd you, the proof of a good one is whether he or she or it is willing to give their very life for you. And you have proof that Jesus Christ is a good shepherd because he gave his life for you. Uh But in order for him to be your shepherd, you have to first recognize yourself (laughs) as a sheep. You see, shepherds don't tend wolves. Shepherds don't tend dogs. Shepherds tend sheep. And if you don't think of yourself as a sheep, You won't experience everything your shepherd has for you. When you keep telling everyone you got it covered, you don't need nobody else's help, God will let you realize that if you don't want to be a sheep, then you don't want to be cared for. Now, the first thing that you need to know about sheep, and and, and I don't want anyone to get offended or get mad. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, okay? The first thing you need to understand about sheep is that they're the dumbest of all the animals created. 
And maybe that's an overstatement, but it ain't going to be an overstatement by, by much. If a sheep starts walking around in a circle, another sheep will begin to follow that sheep in that same circle. And then, before long, a whole flock is walking in a circle. All the while, they think they're going somewhere and don't even recognize they've been around this thing a few times. That sounds like some people I know. We hear of lion tamers and seal trainers and other experts who can um, train certain animals to respond to human command, but you'll never see a sheep trainer at a circus. You see, sheep won't be rolling over on command. Sheep don't jump through hoops on command. They don't sit up on their front legs uh, in the air on command. None of that is going to happen with sheep because sheep don't have what it takes to be trained. They're just dumb. And this is an important point that we need to realize as we read Isaiah 53 and 6, and 6, which says this, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. You got to understand, many of us, we need to be led. Sheep are also defenseless. They're easy prey for any enemy. When a wolf or a coyote or a hyena or any other predator approaches a sheep, the sheep has already lost because it has no ability truly to fight back. And this rings true for so many of us as well. You see, too many of us have bought into the idea that we're strong until our enemy shows up. When our enemy comes in and puts his moves on us, we quickly crumble. You see, a lot of us are like common day boxers now who talk a lot of game outside of the ring, only to get knocked out 96 seconds after stepping in to the cage. Something else that we need to know about sheep, sheep are dirty. They're dirty and they can't clean themselves. They have a thick coat that collects dirt and debris and it holds on to their sweat and they have no way to clean themselves up. And finally, sheep are dependent. They have to be led by a shepherd if they're going to get anywhere at all because sheep are directionally and positionally challenged. They don't know which way to go or even if the way they are going is a way at all. So when David says that his shepherd, the Lord, has met all of his needs, he's, re he's referring to an awful lot of needs. The need of direction, the need of defense, the need of cleanliness, the need of dependence, just to name a few. Then David says green pastures, quiet waters, and a restored soul. Most of us know what it is like to have a flat tire. Did you know that you can also have a flat soul? And this is when your spiritual get up and go has got up and went. You see, some people have simply lost the fire in their soul. You know that you're losing the fire in your soul when the alarm clock goes off on Sunday morning and you drag yourself out of bed. You drag yourself into church if you go to church at all. Maybe you're one of these people. Maybe right now 
God seems to be a long way away, as if God is on vacation and you didn't know where he went. You may feel as if a slow leak is deflating your life, but despite the, uh, th that feeling, you still feel an ache inside reminding you that you want it back. You want to be restored. You just don't know how to be restored, how to get that fire back in you, that drive that you once had. You know how it was when you first came to the knowledge of Christ. You know when you first realized you could sing. Or not. <laughs> you know that feeling you had. David explains how God, your Jehovah, your Jehovah Raha, uh, restores your soul. First, he makes you lie down in green pastures. Now keep in mind that the passage doesn't say God asks you to lie down or makes a suggestion to you that you should lie down. We're talking about sheep here. So God makes you lie down. He puts you in a situation where you have no other option but to lean on him completely. If you ever had a toddler in your home, you can picture this scene quite easily. When it's nap time and you say, honey, it's time for you to take your nap, what's the typical response? Usually you get a stall tactic or an argument or some level of rebellion uh, resisting the idea to go take a nap. When you get old, it's strange, though. You, you long for the nap in the middle of the day. You see, the last thing a toddler wants to do is lie down. I remember my youngest son Noah was really small. He might have been rubbing his eyes with the backs of his little hands, but... He would resist lying down when you bring up the subject, it's nap time. He didn't know how exhausted he really was, nor did he want to accept the fact that he's exhausted. Oftentimes you'll ask people how they're doing it, and they'll say, man, I'm tired. But then you'll ask them, well, you're going to get some rest? Well, I got stuff to do. I'm tired, but I got stuff I got to get done. And don't even realize that if you do stuff in an exhausted state, the stuff you do ain't going to be the stuff you want. So we would make Noah, when he was young, lie down. Sometimes we had to lie down with him. But when we did, he would fall asleep quickly. We weren't making him lie down because we were being mean to him. In fact, the contrary is true. We made him lie down so he could rest because he needed rest. And we needed it as well after chasing Hurricane Noah all over the house. We really wanted him to take a rest so we could take a rest. Have you considered that perhaps God hasn't changed the situation you're in because he's waiting for you to relinquish your rebellion, to let go of your self-sufficiency, and to just lie down? He's keeping you right where you are until you've learned that you have to find rest in him. Because when you rest in him, you are declaring your total trust and dependence is on him. So when God makes you lie down, you'll discover what David discovered, 
that he chooses the greenest of pastures for you to get some rest. He puts you on a sleep number. He puts you on a purple mattress. He puts you on the most comfortable of things so that you can get rest. He gives you the softest of the mattresses and the fluffiest of the pillows because he longs to see you rest so that you can recover. Just as long to see you, for you to see your toddler get rest so you can enjoy the next things is as much as God wants you to get rest so that you can enjoy the next things. You know, most of us, we don't like, we don't like winter. Most of us don't like winter because there's not really a whole lot of stuff out there, not a lot of pretty flowers and colors and all that out there. It's cold, not really a whole lot you can do outside. Then when it snows, don't like driving in the snow because nobody in Columbus can drive in the snow. You know, it's just, just that time. But for springtime to come, winter has to have its season. Because winter causes creation to rest. So that new things can be birthed in the spring. You see, in, in the fall, all the splendor and the glory of that season of spring and summer dies. You look at fall, you see the changing of the colors, which is really the uh, expiring of the beauty of that season until there's barrenness on the trees and the grass doesn't grow unless you live in my house. I don't understand. My grass keeps growing. I thought I didn't have to cut the grass anymore, but it's getting kind of tall. That's what happens when you have a 60-degree winter. But these things happen because there's a need for rest. Many of us are struggling, and we're asking God for all these different things and to be able to have and to possess and to do all these wonderful things. And God is saying, but before I can have you do that, be that, go there, say that, you need to charge your batteries. You've been running yourself rampant. Now, some of us, I've experienced this myself. Some of us push ourselves to the limit. Because if you go to any type of training, most training, especially physical training, will tell you push yourself until it hurts and then push yourself a little bit more past the hurt because you can take it. And that's what's supposed to grow the muscle or, you know, give you that sense, that better sense of where your real line is. You see, God created you in such a fashion that he knows that when you get to a point where you, you first know you need to rest, you're probably at about 80%. You've exhausted about 80% of yourself. And, and, and you know it's time it's time to take a break. But we, we've, we're in this culture now where you have to get as much done in a day as you possibly can. 
So then you push yourself to 90%, but now you're dragging. Then you push yourself to 95%. Now nobody's your friend. Then you push yourself to 100%. And then somebody is yelling at you that they need more. So you push yourself to 110% until you ultimately collapse because you did not know how to take time to just stop. I'm coming to the place in my life where if it don't get done, it don't get done. I promise you if it doesn't get done, the earth is still going to rotate on its axis. It's still going to go around the sun. It's not going to stop anything. Your whole life is not going to come to a grinding halt because you did not finish that one last thing. You have to learn how to stop. You have to learn how to rest. But when you shepherd yourself, you will lead yourself in a continuing circle, never knowing when to step off. But when you allow God to lead you as your shepherd, he will make you lie down in green pastures. Uh Now, I like the making you lie down like we used to do Noah, the cuddling and the lay down with you and everything's happy and everyone's happy. And, you know, as soon as you hit the pillow, you're snoring. But unfortunately for too many of us, our testimony is we were made to lie down. And, I, and I'm not saying this because I know you were just in the hospital, so don't, I don't want you to say I'm, I'm talking about you. Because this has happened to me. Sometimes God will make you lie down by shutting you down. Whether it's a visit to the hospital, whether it's stuff just falls apart and, and there's just nothing for you to do. Because God is trying to get you to a place of understanding that if you don't stop, I cannot display my glory in you. God doesn't live in a broken down house. God lives in a palace. (laughs) You didn't know that you were a palace, did you? The creator of all things lives not in, he comes into the broken but he turns the broken into palaces. This is what he does. This is what God does. Because he wants you to understand the care that he has for you. But you have to allow him to do these things in your life by recognizing that you're a sheep and he is the shepherd. Let me just close with this. David tells us that Jehovah uh, Rohi leads him besides quiet uh, waters. Now, some translations will call them still waters. In other words, he isn't led beside running water. And there's a reason for this. You see, sheep won't drink from running water. The shepherd is aware that sheep aren't sure-footed. And if they wander into running water, they're going to spend their energy trying to stay upright rather than drinking. And in many cases, sheep will lose their balance, fall in, and drown. 
and with their thick wool soaking up the water, they get pulled under. Sheep have to drink from still water. Have you ever looked at a water fountain and tried to drink from it on the downside or the upside? You don't get as much. Typically, a water fountain is designed for you to drink from the peak because the peak is where there is a moment of stillness for you to uh, slurp up the, the, the water because the force to get the water up has ceased and it's in transition to going back down. And in that arch, there is a a moment or a, a uh, sense of brevity where the water is actually slow enough for you to get the most out of it. Unless you do like I did as a kid and just stick your head over the whole thing and just let it go up in your nostrils and everything else. But we, like sheep, need to drink from still water. And if a shepherd is unable to locate still water for his sheep, he might carve off a a small channel so that some of the water that is running will flow into a more pond-like setting so it can become still water. And this is the place where the sheep drink and they are maintained in their stability. Now, it's important that we understand what God is telling us here. Because when we rest in the Lord, our shepherd, he leads us into an environment that we can handle. He provides green grass and still water for our spiritual restoration. Like a cordless phone that's been off the charging cradle too long, we can become spiritually drained with the challenges of life and need a soul recharge if we're going to function as God intends us to function. But you won't discover the blessings of rest and still water as long as you remain self-sufficient, as long as you think you can fix your problems yourself, as long as you wander off on your own path, doing your own thing, doing it your way. When we do this, God will often allow us to be in situations that rob us of that self-sufficiency so that we can learn we can't do it ourselves. We need help. He wants us to realize that if he doesn't restore our soul, our soul won't get restored. If he doesn't empower us, we won't be empowered. He wants to bring you and me to the end of ourselves so that we can look up and all we see is him. But some of us stall or argue or fight for a long time before we're willing to lie down and rest in him. So God continues to allow scenarios that will force us to rest, that will force us to let go, that will force us to trust in him and to care, uh, uh, to, to believe that he cares for us. And when we do let go, we discover, just like David wrote, that God will restore our soul. Now, for uh, many of us, the process takes more time than we'd like, but the result is worth it. 
Because as we rest in him, he restores our sense of hope, he restores our sense of purpose, and he restores our sense of life. Now, many of us are afraid to lie down and rest. We wonder how we will ever make it if we relinquish the reins of control over our life. Yet our shepherd is telling us that first and foremost, we need to lie down and rest. So I encourage you this week. I encourage you this week. We're coming to the end of this year. We're getting ready to celebrate the transition into a new year. Some of us will make promises to ourselves as we enter the new year, promises that we really never intend to keep. They just sound good. I've promised that I'm going to get rid of my dad bod. But we have to take some time to think about what God's word is declared for us to do. We cannot engage the things of a new season, a new year, until we've rested from the things we've done this previous year. So we have a week till this new year comes. And I encourage you this week to slow down and to rest, to let some things go undone. I encourage you to take time to focus on the things that are really important, time with family, restoration, peace. The stuff that needs to get done will be waiting for you when you have rested and garnered enough strength to do it. And then it'll be a lot easier a task for you to tackle. But take this week and just rest. Some of you may have the luxury that you're on vacation this week. If you're on vacation, then be on vacation. Be on vacation. That means disconnect from everything that is work. There was a time when I would go on vacation, I used to frustrate my wife because I would have my cell phone with me, and even though I'm not at work and thus not responsible really for anything that's going on at work, I would have my phone and I would be on my emails on my vacation time trying to get work done. Then I realized at one point that if I wasn't there to answer the emails, the emails didn't go away. They were just waiting for me when I got back. And whatever it was that needed to get done, got done when I got back. My job didn't collapse. The world didn't fall apart. Amen. And then I was in the mental state and the physical state to deal with whatever needed to be dealt with. Why? Because I rested. Because I rested. It may seem like a strange sermon to be coming out of this year, but I think it's the most important thing that you can do this week to charge you for what is next. It's to just get some rest. Spend some quality time with family. Play with your kids. 
share in an opportunity to just be with those that you love and be there in the moment. Love on them and receive the love that they have for you. And when next week starts, you can do what you got to do and you'll find yourself invigorated because you took time to rest. While you're resting, talk to God. Meditate on God. Read his word. Charge your battery. The reading of the word of God is the charging of your battery. It's the very thing that's going to give you the necessary power to accomplish everything God intends for you to accomplish in this new season that's coming. So just rest in him. He is our Jehovah Rohi. He is the shepherd of your soul. And when he's introduced to us, the very first thing he talks about is rest. So the best thing that I can tell you is to get some rest before rest comes looking for you. Amen? I thank you for your time this morning. I truly thank you for being here and spending time with us. We just want to close out with prayer. Yes. 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock on Friday. Service will start. If you bring it, Deke, are you bringing breakfast? Breakfast, Deke is making motions like he wants to eat breakfast on Saturday morning. So I'll leave that to y'all if y'all want to bring breakfast in. Amen. Amen. And if you do, I, I'll tell you this. If you guys decide you want breakfast together on Saturday morning after service, I'll make sure First Lady's grits are here. You just, you just let me know. You just let me know. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, let's rest to our feet. If all hearts and minds are clear, again, we salute those that have joined us via technology. Uh, we thank God for our West Coast campus all the way in California, our East Coast campus all the way in New Jersey, our South campus in North Carolina, those that tune in regularly, those that are uh, watching across the world. I charge you this week, get you some rest get you some rest. Let's look to the Lord. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, the service, the fellowship. We thank you for our guests that have joined with us. We thank you for family that's come. We thank you for everyone that's under the sound of my voice. We hear you today, Father, Amen. calling us to a place of rest, knowing that if you are calling us to a place of rest, it's because you have something for us to do. And we need to be at our best to do it. So let us take this opportunity now to hear your instruction and to take this week and just rest. Spend time with you and our families and our friends. Letting work set to the side, knowing that because you've called us to rest, the work will be just okay. Amen. So, Father, we thank you right now. 
as we go into this week for your covering, your protection, your direction, and your peace. Meeting each of us at the point of our need because you are our shepherd. You know what we have need of even when we don't know what we have need of. You've made ways even when we don't know we need a way. And Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for answering our prayer in concerning our brother Sean and how just a week ago he's in the hospital, but today he's standing and breathing without complication. He may not be where he wants to be in the sense of his physical health, but I know, Father, that as he rests in you, you will restore him physically, spiritually, psychologically. You allow him to accomplish the things for which you birthed in him to accomplish. And we thank you and celebrate those gifts now. Continue to breathe breath into his lungs and allow him to stand in your strength. Father, each of us have our own specific and unique desires that we've laid before you, things we're struggling with, things that we uh, have need of, things that we are troubled by. Father, meet us at the point of that need. We thank you right now by faith that the very things we've laid at your feet have already been taken care of. As we go into uh, this week preparing for a celebration of the ending of one year and the beginning of another, we thank you right now for great things, for great things that are going to come in 2022. But we also thank you for keeping us in 2021. There are many that cannot say, for they are not here any longer because of what has occurred in this year. But we thank you, Father, that you kept us, that we're able to stand here today and speak your holy power, your holy name with our own voice, not laying here with people saying nice things over us, but us gathered together in our right mind to celebrate you. So, Father, take us into this week in safety and in care. We thank you, Father, for coming together at the next appointed time. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Consider yourself dismissed. Please uh, uh, greet one another.